And so I guess I should say good morning officially. Uh, it is gr- oh, thank you. <laughs> it is such a pleasure and a joy to be with you at All Saints this morning. Uh, as Dave mentioned, uh, my name is Joe. Uh, my wife and my daughter are somewhere around here as well. I think they're sitting in, in the cry room. Um, so they are also excited to be here. Uh, and yes, I'm up from up the road at Hilton Methodist Church. We've been there for about two years now. Um, well, this is actually our second full year we're going into. Uh, and so I just ask that you would perhaps give me a bit of grace and excuse me if the way the service is conducted today is a little bit different to what you used to. Um, but I promise I'll try to keep it in line with the order that I was given as much as possible. And I hear that uh, most sermons on a Sunday yeah, are about two and a half hours. Is that fine? Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Anyone who thought I was being serious there, I promise I'll get you home in time for tea. I'd like us to read through two scripture readings this morning that we are going to be reflecting on. The first is from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28, and it says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Our second reading is our Gospel reading for today, and comes from Luke chapter 11, reading verses 1 to 4. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please would you pray with me. Loving God, we desire to hear your living word to each of us this morning. And so I pray that the, the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a young boy, I think it was around the age of five or six. I clearly remember one of my friends arriving back at school after going on a holiday with his family. 
And he was lucky enough that his family took him all the way across the world to Disney World in Florida in the USA. And so my friend came back to school really excited. And he showed me all of the photos that they had taken, all of the toys that he had bought, all of the souvenirs that he brought back with him. Needless to say, I was fascinated. I wanted nothing more than to go to Disney World as well, myself. I remember the night before my birthday that year, saying my evening prayers. And I remember praying to God, God, please, when I wake up tomorrow, can my family just give me um, the word that we are going to be going to Disney World as well? Now, obviously, when I woke up, I was sorely disappointed. Now, it took me a long time to realize why this was perhaps an unreasonable request to take to God in prayer. But at that time, I was devastated. Why hadn't God answered my prayer? Now, this is a silly example of unanswered prayer. But maybe you have also found yourselves wondering at times why it seems that God isn't answering some of our prayers. When we look around at the world with all of the violence and the wars that are taking place, why is God silent? When we experience so much suffering and grief in our own lives, why is God silent? When we see all the poverty, crime, gender-based violence, and corruption in our own country, why is God silent? Now, I believe these are all important and honest questions to ask. Now, I have the honor, as David mentioned, of beginning a six-week course that your church will be going through over the Lenten period. And this series is called When God is Silent. And it seeks to grapple with some of these difficult questions that we have during our journey of faith. And so the question that I would like to start off this series with this morning is why pray. Why pray? Perhaps you have found yourself wondering, if God seems to be silent in response to so many of our prayers, why should we even spend time in prayer with God? Well, I'd like to suggest this morning that prayer isn't primarily about hearing from God or getting God to do things for us. Now, sometimes while we pray, yes, indeed, we will hear from God and we will have some of our prayers answered. But prayer isn't primarily about getting answers or things out of God. Rather, prayer is 
about drawing near to God and cultivating a healthy relationship with God. Prayer is primarily about drawing near to God and cultivating a healthy relationship with our Creator. Now, as I've mentioned, I have a wonderful wife that I've been married to for eight years this year. I can prove it to you. I promise. I've got the marriage certificate at home. Um, I'm wearing my ring today, although I suppose I could fake that. But she's there. You can go and ask her. But what if you had to discover that my wife and I never spent any time together? or that we never ever communicated or spoke to each other. Now, if this were the case, you would probably have some serious questions about the authenticity of our marriage, or the genuineness or the validity of our marriage. I believe that the same thing can be said about our relationship with God. We can claim to be Christians, you know, we can show everyone our baptism certificates if we still know where they are. But the proof is in the pudding. What does our relationship with God look like in practice? How much time do we spend communicating with God? How can we ever expect God to hear, or how can we ever expect to hear God's voice, sorry, if we don't spend time familiarizing ourselves with God's voice in prayer. Now, the disciples of Jesus that we have the privilege of reading about in our Bibles were lucky enough to journey with Jesus in the flesh. They got to walk in Jesus' footsteps and learn from him as he taught. They witnessed Jesus praying often. And like many of us, I'm sure, the disciples often wondered how to pray, when to pray, where to pray. And so in our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 11, they ask Jesus. They say, Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus responds by teaching them the now world-famous Lord's Prayer that I'm sure most of us can recite from memory. Now, in this one prayer that Jesus responds to his disciples when they ask him to teach them how to pray, Jesus sums up exactly what prayer is all about. And there, anything we need to learn about prayer, we can learn from this uh, beautiful prayer that Jesus prays. And so, in Jesus' teaching and in the Bible and in Christian tradition over the years, we can learn many valuable lessons about why we should pray, but also how we can pray. 
And all of these are summed up and epitomized in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus prayed. But for this morning, I want us to focus on three helpful tips that I can offer us that come straight from the mouth of Jesus and the words in our Bibles. They are practical steps that can hopefully guide our lives as we wonder why we should pray and how we should pray. And so the first tool I would like to offer us is to keep it real. Keep it real. The Bible is often way more honest than the church or most Christians are about the pains in the world, the disappointments in our lives, and the unanswered prayers that we sometimes seem to offer to God. Often the Bible is not all happy clappy and pretending that everything is perfect. The Bible and the biblical authors are deeply honest when it comes to their prayers. The Psalms are full of psalmists who declare and express their frustrations when it seems as though their prayers aren't answered. Where they show anguish with God and to God when things aren't going their way. I want to remind us of another parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector that go to the temple to pray. Now Jesus tells us that in this scenario, the Pharisee stands up in front of all the people and he prays beautifully, well-formulated, elegant prayers, saying all the right words in all the right tones. And then Jesus tells us at the same time as all of this is going on, hiding at the back of the crowd is a tax collector who was ashamed to even be in the presence of all these religious people. And as he stood there, this tax collector prayed a simple and honest prayer, asking God for forgiveness because he was a sinner. Jesus tells us in this parable that it was the tax collector's prayers who were heard by God on that day. Now this isn't to say that those of us who are able to pray beautiful, elegant prayers in public are wrong for doing so. But I think the aim of the story that Jesus told was to remind us that God hears our prayers when they are honest. When they come from a place of where we really are, not where we are pretending to be. And so let us keep it real when it comes to our prayer life. The second encouragement that I would like to offer us this morning when it comes to our prayer life is to keep it simple. 
we sometimes tend to overcomplicate our prayer life. Wanting to make sure that we pray in exactly the right way, at exactly the right times, for exactly the right amount of time. But prayer is at its best when it is simple. Let me tell you that there is no wrong way to pray. There might be many right ways to pray, many different ways to pray, but there is no wrong way to pray. If you are communicating with God, you are praying, whatever that might look like for you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 to 13 has this beautiful teaching about prayer from Jesus. And I want to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read it in the message translation. Because I find that this particular passage has a beautiful elegance and simplicity to it in this message translation. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 to 13, says this. Here is what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Notice that again about being real, not role-playing in front of God. Jesus continues to say, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Then the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are actually prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows you better than you know yourself. With a God like this loving you, you can pray simply. So let us not overcomplicate and overstress about our prayer lives. If we are willing to communicate with God, however that looks for us, we are praying. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it real. And then thirdly, Let's keep it up. The third encouragement for us about prayer from our scripture readings for today is to keep it up. Let's keep going with it. Let's keep at it. Let's be honest. There are going to be times in our lives where we don't feel like praying. This might even happen more regularly during those times where we feel like God isn't responding to our prayers, where it feels like God is silent. Keep praying. Don't give up. I heard a beautiful story recently, and I... It's about a father dealing with his four-year-old son, and maybe it resonates with me even more because I can understand exactly what he's sharing. Um, My daughter is three years old. And 
this man telling the story says that one day his four-year-old son was drawing. Uh, and his son loved to draw. He loved to scribble and paint and, and put things onto paper. And lately, his son had been seeing other people write various things. So this little four-year-old boy decided that he too wants to write a story. And so he took out his colored crayons, and he began scribbling on a piece of paper. Now, obviously, his scribbling didn't make much sense. But he took this piece of paper to his dad, and he said, Dad, look what I did. And his dad, being a good, loving father, said, Wow, son, that is beautiful. That is really, really cool. Well done. And then his son surprised him, and he said, Dad, will you read it out for me? Now, obviously, the dad couldn't make any sense of what his son was trying to say in these scribbles. But what he did know was what his son had been up to that day. What he did know was when he looked in his son's face, he could see what his son was excited about. He could see what his son was fearful of. And so what he did was he was able to tell a beautiful, made-up story that perfectly understood what the boy was trying to say. You see, it wasn't about the scribbles on the paper. It was about the heart behind the scribbles. I believe this is what God does with each of us as well. Our Romans passage that we read today talks about the Spirit of God interceding on our behalf when we don't know what to say or how to put what we want to say into words. Perhaps you find yourselves in a situation where you don't know how to pray or what to pray, but you know that you want to pray. I believe that that desire to pray is the important part. That is the part that God can and will work with, our desire to want to pray. In these times, the Holy Spirit is praying for us, with us, in groans, the Apostle Paul says, as God reads our faces, and knows exactly what we need, even when we don't know it ourselves. You see, it's not about the scribbles of our prayers. It's about the heart behind our prayers. And so, in summary, as we bring this to a close, as we bring this plane to land, if the primary aim of our prayer life is to hear audibly and clearly from God, then sometimes we might come away disappointed. We are placing expectations on our prayers that while sometimes may be realized, will not always be experienced. But, if the aim of our prayer life is to draw nearer to God, 
to build a stronger relationship with God, then no matter the outcome of our prayers, no matter if God seems to answer our prayers in the way we want or not, and whether we are in good or bad times, we will always be moving closer and closer towards our goal of being near to God. If our primary aim of prayer is drawing near to God, we will always be moving closer towards that goal. As James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. The beauty of this realization is that God is already doing God's part of the deal. God is already drawing near to us. 50% of the work is done. In fact, I would argue that 99% of the work is done. God is reaching out for us so consistently and so generously that 99% of that relationship is already made. All God asks for us is that 1% of opening up ourselves so that God can step in and do God's work. As Jesus says, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you open up that door, I will come in and be with you. And so over the next few weeks of Lent, as you grapple with some of these difficult questions, as you seek to nurture your prayer life and spend time drawing near to God, may you learn to nurture a culture of prayer life, of prayer in your life. As you keep it real, keep it simple, and keep it up. Let us pray.